Hello, it's Dawn, and this is my podcast, Conversations. It's a variety show about real life stuff, and there's something on here for everybody. So if that sounds good to you, let's go. All right, well, welcome to another episode of Conversations. Today we have Wes. Hi, Wes. Hello. Welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to be on my show. I have been waiting for this. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm grateful for it. Thank you. Oh, well, it's it's just awesome that we connected. Wes has gone through some major weight loss and was actually what do you what do you say? You weren't a guest or a contestant. What do what do you what do you, what do you uh, call cast somebody? member. Cast, cast member. Member on my 600 pounds live. And yes. okay, so I have on demand, I think, I don't know, regardless, I couldn't see the episode. Like I mm-hmm. went on YouTube and watched clips of it and stuff. So I apologize yeah. for not being able to see the whole episode, but um, yeah. what mm-hmm. I did see of it, you seem like just a sweetheart and you, you were one of the rare ones that actually had a good mm-hmm. attitude, wanted to do this. Like you were, mm-hmm. you were going to do this because the episodes that a lot of us see, they don't. Mm-hmm. They want to fight the whole way and they lie to Mm -hmm. Dr. Now. And I mean, it makes for good TV, but anyway, (laughs) so I love when it's your, I love rooting for the underdog. So just knowing that you were in it to win it. I loved that. How long had you been dealing with your weight issues? So I have been big my entire life. I've been, I have always been a big person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I've struggled with my weight only because um, I was one of the very few fortunate people that my weight, even though I was always larger than everyone else in the room, (laughs) and I was, um, my weight never hindered me from doing anything. I was very fortunate um, that I, I never had, like, you know, I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have high cholesterol. I was not pre-diabetic. Um, wow. I didn't have, right. I didn't have, um, really, I, I, I essentially was even at my, lo- even at my largest, aside from lymphedema, and, and that's going to sound stupid, aside from lymphedema, sleep apnea, <laughs> and an enlarged heart, I, I didn't have the typical health, con- health concerns, right? And so my weight never really got in the way up until like the last, I want to say year or two of my life. But I've always been big. So uh, I've never experienced life without being that of be uh, what I like to say is I've never experienced life without being of size. Okay. And um, it's not it's very uncommon for people to get to that size to not have any what sure. they call comorbidities. It it's not um, unheard of, but it, it it it's very uncommon. How did you get to be on the show? Like, um, did you have a a moment where you were just like, that's it. I'm done. I can't do this another minute. I'm going to pursue this show because I've seen him help other people. Or how did that all come about? It was a multifaceted scenario. I had actually auditioned for the show probably, I don't remember the exact year, but I want to say maybe 2015, 2016, but only because, um, I, I, I was working for another company. I, I work in bookkeeping and accounting. That's my background. Mm-hmm. I was working for a company and I had worked there for a while and I had insurance, but at that time, especially my, my main career history background is, in, I, you know, I live in Texas, right? So is oil and gas. 
and okay. um, oil and gas industry is very volatile. So I, I didn't work for large corporations. I worked for family owned businesses or privately owned. The money was good when you had a job, but you didn't always have a job. You know, it was one of those situations where you'd leave work on a Friday, you come in to work on a Monday and there'd be chains on the door, right? And so I would work maybe four or five months and then the company would go out of business and I'd be out of work two or three months. Then I'd go back to work for five months. So I didn't have insurance all the time. And so I was working for a company and I had insurance and I didn't have any, I was making good money. So I thought, well, you know what? I, I'm ready. My weight at that time, I was, I want to say I was in the 600s and I felt like I was ready to make a change. And so I went to see a weight loss doctor and the doctor told me my weight. Um, and he said, I can't do anything for you. Oh my gosh. And I said, what do you mean you can't do anything for me? And he said, the hospital, this, ho this particular hospital, does not allow us to perform surgery on patients over 500 pounds. The insurance will not allow us. Oh, okay. And so in order for you to have the surgery, you need to lose X amount of weight. Then uh, you can come back to me and then we'll have the surgery. And I said, okay, well, just out of curiosity, how much would that cost? And he said, well, we looked into it and your insurance wouldn't cover it. So you'd have to be a cash pay. And that would be, I think at that time, it was like $15,000. I said, okay, well then, and what's my goal weight? And he said, I, I would be happy if you'd get to be around 300 pounds. Because at that point, that would have been a loss of like three, 350 to 300 pounds. So I was like, okay. I said, so you're telling me you want me to lose essentially 50% of what I need to lose. Then come in and pay you $15,000. Right. So that I can lose the other 50%. And he's like, yeah. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do that. Like, if I can lose 50% on my own, then what's the point in me exactly. paying you the rest of the money, right? Right. And then shortly after that, I lost my job. <laughs> the the uh -oh. company went out of business. Yeah. And so then I didn't have insurance. So it, it was already on my mind to lose weight. And now I didn't have insurance. And then I got to thinking, well, I'm like, you know, there are other people that are my size or bigger that have the surgery. I thought, for a last-ditch effort, let me try my 600 pound life. So I applied to the show and I heard back from them right away. And then I just kind of freaked out and stopped and didn't do anything further. Mentally, I wasn't ready, I think. Okay. There were a lot of demons that I had to deal with. Sure. And I just was not there for it. Yeah. And so I decided I, I wasn't even a conscious effort. I just moved on. I um, just kind of put it on the back burner and went about my life, had other things to do. And my weight got bigger and bigger and bigger. I could no longer work. Uh, my weight had gotten so bad that I could no longer work. I could, I could still walk, but I could barely walk. So now that was in 2016. So now we're in 2021. I got hospitalized with COVID and I had never been hospitalized for anything. I'd never broken an ankle. I'd never even cracked it. I mean, I've never sprung an ankle, nothing, mm -hmm. you know? And so the, the first time I'd ever been hospitalized was for COVID. And this was at the height of the pandemic. So like they didn't, they didn't have vaccines at that point, or they, I think the vaccines were just starting to come out. Mm -hmm. They didn't really know much about it. So when you were hospitalized, you were quarantined and not just like, Oh, they, 
you know, kind of put you in a bed in the corner of the room and nobody talks to you. I mean, like they put you in a separate wing in a room with the door shut and people only see you when they have to see you and that's it, that kind of quarantine, right? right. And I always pride myself on being independent. And even at that size, I was lucky that I could do things for myself, um, like take care of myself. I was able to clean myself properly. You know, it is a concern and I, and I love talking about it because I want to remove the shame and stigma. Right. When you, when you get to be that size, hygiene is something that you cannot really do on your own. And if you can, it, it takes a lot of work and it takes accessories and tools to do it. I had my home set up to where I could take care of my, my hygiene independently. I didn't need anybody. And that was, that was a great sense of comfort to me. You know, I didn't have to rely on anybody to do that. Right. But because I was hospitalized, I was away from my home. I had to rely on the nursing staff. And I know that sounds stupid because that's nursing staff. That's what they're there for. But when you're as prideful as I was, especially then, that's a big knock to your ego. Right. And it also, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about the world of delusion that you live in. It also like makes that world of delusion start to crumble. Right. You know, I, I can take care of myself at home with my, with my independence. So I can live in that world of delusion. I can pretend like it's not really affecting me because I can do things on my own. Well, now it's starting to affect me in ways that I can't ignore. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I had a lot of time to think by myself in that hospital bed because again, nobody could come and see me. Yeah. And uh, I had to rely on the hospital staff to do things for me that were embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So I vowed to myself right then and there that I um, was going to make some changes. And uh, that's when I decided that I would never have to rely on somebody to take care of the basic human needs again. Yeah. And um, when I got out, I got out, took about 90 days for me to be cleared to go out in public again. Um, Started making some changes in October, made made an appointment to see Dr. Nalzardin because you can can go see Dr. Nalzardin as a patient. You don't have to be just, you don't have to be on the show. Okay. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. he, He takes patients just on a regular basis. And I live very close to Houston. I called Dr. Nelzardin because, uh, not even thinking to be on the show, I called him because no other doctors would touch me. Yeah. Because of my size. And I knew that Dr. Nelzardin would because he works on people my size. And so I made an appointment with Dr. Nelzardin's office. I went to see him. I had my first initial appointment um, in the beginning of 2022. And the rest went from there. Was it intimidating to meet him? It was, for me at least, it was more of, um, it made it made it a reality. Okay, surreal. Yes, yes. Was that when you found out you were the 700 and... 738. So when I first went to Dr. Nelzardin's office, uh, that was not filmed. So uh, in fact, I, I didn't start filming until about two months into seeing him, right? And so Mm -hmm. um, my starting weight on the show was not my highest weight to start with, if that makes sense. Okay, okay. 
so you did end up having the surgery. Like I, I didn't get a chance to see, but you were mm-hmm. allowed after, um, did you, did you prove it right away that you were losing pounds? Uh, no, I did not start losing right away. Okay. <laughs> um, I saw that you and your dad had a really close relationship. Has, have you guys always? No. Okay. No, we, we have not. Um, I will say, you know, I got, someone asked me, I did an interview right after the show mm-hmm. aired and someone asked me about um, my relationship with my dad. And, and I, I'll say it again, you know, my dad's relationship is better than where it was. So mm-hmm. it's better than where it was yesterday and it'll be better tomorrow than where it is today. Got it. Got it. And if there's anything that you don't want to talk about, just say, just say, Oh, oh nope. I'm an open book. Okay. Not a problem. Okay. He was on the show with you. I saw he was at one of the clips where he was helping you <laughs> throw away food, yeah. which that yes. scene just made me laugh. Cause I would totally, yeah. if, if I was in your shoes, I would have been shoving food all over the place. <laughs> trying to hide it. <laughs> My Dorito stash. Yeah. Really, no one would mm-hmm. know. Uh, but yeah, it's that, that was just kind of um, a lighter scene, you know, cause so many of the scenes on those shows can be so heavy, you know, like they they mm-hmm. go into the therapy sessions with them. So that was what I was going to ask you too. Did you like ignore the cameras after a while where you were just so used to them being there? You weren't even paying attention because it seems like such an invasion of privacy. You know, it's so funny you asked that because I actually had this conversation with uh, friends of mine the night before last, we were talking about, we weren't talking about me, but we were just talking about uh, something. I don't know how we got on the subject. And I told them, I said, well, you know, for me personally, I did very quickly forget that the cameras were there um, because it, it just, it's like maybe the human condition just kind of like acclimates themselves to it. I don't know. Like you have to live your life, right? Like, yeah you have to move on and do things. And I'm not a, I am not a, for lack of a better term, I'm not a fake person. Like, mm-hmm. You know, I'm one of those people that I have one of those faces to where like, whatever emotion I have, you're going to see it on my face. I don't have a poker face at all. <laughs> That's I could never I play poker. <laughs> right. I could never play poker. Like it's right. just my family and friends know very, they know right away. Don't ask my opinion on anything. So you just got used to them being around, but like, yes. After your surgery, were you in a lot of pain? No, I was not in a lot of pain. I have an extremely high tolerance for pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think a lot of that stems from, I grew up closeted and I grew up, I know this is, now this is going to get psychologically deep, but I'm sorry, but. No, don't I at all. Yeah. So. I did not grow up in a family that was open to my sexuality at all. I, uh, my family has never been receptive to that. And so I've had to hide that from, not hide, but just kind of like um, learn to compartmentalize a lot of things in my life, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think because of that, I just compartmentalize physical pain as well. Like, you know, I can, I very easily know how to just compartmentalize something and, you know, move on, ignore it, pretend like it's not there. And so one of the things I do is when I'm in pain and I have something to do, I don't dwell on it. Like, I I just don't, I'm not one of those people that sits around and pities themselves or or when they're in pain, like, 
focuses on the pain, like I don't have time for that and I don't want to yeah. think about it. So I just won't think about it. What was more difficult um, facing your weight loss and going through that whole process or coming out of the closet? So I actually came out when I was 13. I told my family when I was 13 and I did, they did not take it well. Mm. And they sent me to counseling to become straight. How did and... that work out for you? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> yeah, right. That's and just I'm, so I'm married. I have three kids. It worked out perfectly. <laughs> so, uh, um, so uh, and uh, it was made very clear to me that homosexuality was not an option, right? And yeah, they sent me to my pastor, my local pastor. <laughs> yeah, so it was a healthy dose of religious guilt and homo and you know and homophobia it was great, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it just was not. It didn't. Anyway, so to make a long story short, was not received well. You know, I don't know if I could say either one was harder than the other because I think they're so intrinsically linked mm -hmm. for me at least. Um, I don't think I could have started to lose any of my weight. If I hadn't gone ahead, I don't think I could have made the commitment and honored that commitment to lose my weight if I didn't also go ahead and decide to live my life openly and faithfully. So, I mean, it's one of the big reasons why I actually did the show. Because my family was so against me being gay, it became a don't ask, don't tell kind of thing with my family. And I have to say, full stop, I, I will give my family kudos and praise and saying that even though they did not approve of homosexuality and they made it very, my dad made it very well known that that was not acceptable to him. He never forced me to pretend to be something I wasn't. Okay. He never pressured me to try and have a girlfriend. He never pressured me to be masculine. Mm -hmm. He never pressured me to be a man's man, anything like that. He allowed me to like what I like, to have the hobbies that I like, to live the life that I would like. He just did not want to know about it. Well, <laughs> sure. sure. Yeah. He didn't want to know about it. He didn't want to ask about it. Right. And so, uh, you know, I'm going to, I have, I've just decided to, you know, like, don't harp on the bad things. Just try to find the positive of anything. Right. And so that's, that's the way that I've decided to look at it is no, he, you know, he didn't like it. I know that, but it could have been worse, right? It could have been one of the situations where like, I'm 37, 38. I was raised. I'm, I'm of the era of gay people that like, if you came out to your family, we were, we were, we were never shown positive images of coming out to your family, right? Like now, now the younger generations, you know, to them coming out is most of them not even come out because it's not even a thought to them. They have to come out. Right. But like, if they do come out, it, the expectation for them is that their family is going to accept it and move on. And it's not a big deal. Yeah. When I was being raised, the expectation was if you come out, your family is going to disown you. If you're a, a kid, they're going to kick you out and you're going to live on the streets. You'll probably become a prostitute, get AIDS and die. Like that's, I know that sounds like a lot, but I mean, that's what yeah. we were told. Right. right. You know, you'll end up on drugs and be dead in the gutter or something. Right. Yeah. And so. So I didn't go down that path, right? Like my family didn't kick me out. They didn't force me out. They didn't disown me. They didn't mm. want to know about it, but they didn't disown me. So mm. that's what I'm choosing. That's what I choose to focus on. 
Yeah. But well, you have a good attitude. Thank you. Because they it was don't ask, don't tell, my life, I essentially led two lives. It was almost like living a double life where I had my life with my family and I had my life with everything else. And the two worlds were never mixed. Even, I'm not even talking about like having a partner meet my family. I'm talking about just friends, like just not even like platonic, not even sexual friends, just straight up people that were friends to be friends. Yeah. Like I, I didn't even like, they were never to meet my family. Like they just did not meet. It got to a point of being 36 and living a life like that. And I had to become very comfortable with that. And, and I just, I decided that like, I can't live with that shame because it did give me shame. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, the underlying, the underlying messages is that it's shameful. And I've always been out and proud aside uh, outside of my family life and every other aspect of my life I've been proud to be gay and I talk about it a lot and I'm very open about it it's a a big part of my personality and it's a big part of like I base my personality on because I'm so proud of being gay especially because of where I live it's like the very act of me being alive is almost like a political protest, right? Because I live in a very conservative yes. red state area, right? Yes. And yes. so there are people here where I live that would rather me not be alive or exist. And so I'm, the very fact that I'm here is a problem for them. And so I've always been very proud of, of the fact that, you know, I am gay and proud of being that. But on the same time, I've also had shame of it from my family. And I could not move forward with my life and get healthy until I got rid of that shame. And, you know, I had come out to my family when I was 13 and they don't talk about it. Never pretended to have a girlfriend. Never, never told them I found any girls attractive. And it's like, they just were living in this world of delusion, right? And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, so... I got to break that. The only way I can think of to break that is I'll go on national television. And I'll talk about it. Oh my gosh. So if I go on national television and I talk about it, that's going to break that illusion. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. In a, not, yeah. In a little subtle way. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to force me to have that conversation again. It's going to force me to like get out of that shell because, you know, I also had gotten very comfortable in that world. And I got comfortable in living that two separate lives. Mm -hmm. And so I did. And so I don't know if I could say that either one was harder than the other, because it's like, I couldn't have done one without the other. Yeah. That's they're, crazy. they're just so, they're so in, they're so enmeshed. So are you going to be on a future episode? Like, where are they now? Or can you say? Nothing has been decided yet. That is, um going to be up to the discretion of the producers. Mm -hmm. um, can and... you say if how much you've lost? Oh, yeah. Uh, as of right now, so after my episode aired, I did have, uh, for lack of a better term, I did have a, really, a relapse. Okay. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> With my weight. I mean, I, you know, I slacked off. The camera crews left. And so I'm like, oh, I can do this. And then... <laughs> There's cake. <laughs> and um, so I did, I had a little bit of a relapse and I gained probably 
25 pounds back over the course of like six months. I've gained like 25 pounds. I've lost, I'm, I'm back down to right at 500 pounds now. Um, right. when, yeah. So when the show ended, I was at 477. Okay. So I, yeah, I started at 738 and I got down to 477. Who are your cheerleaders? What do you mean? Who are the people that are cheering you on? Like, you've got this because it's got to take a team to help. I mean, you, unless, are you just doing it on your own where you're just able to have that willpower and you can get yourself up out of bed and doing exercises? Is it all in you? Or do you have a team of people that are friends and support? No, I live alone. (laughs) So it's just you? You're the one that's managing to get yourself to stick to it? Yeah, I mean, I have, I have friends that will check on me, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any. All of I'm a huge gamer. I'm a huge gaming nerd. Mm-hmm. So I have two really good friends that I've met online. I've known them for prior to this, for years prior to this. Right. Um, they're they're my backbone, my support, like. They are there for, I mean, to the point of like one of them over this past holiday season, over this past Christmas season, um, the home that I was in when we filmed, it actually got damaged. We had some really bad winter storms here in Texas this last December. Yep. And uh, the home that I was in got damaged from it. And, you know, I'm on disability. Uh, I work part-time, but I'm on disability. So I don't have a lot of money, right? Yeah. And um, my family doesn't have a lot of money. I don't come from money. Everything I have in this world, I have worked for. I don't have much, but what I do have, I have crawled over glass and through shit to get on bare hands, right? Yeah. And excuse my language. I hope you have an explicit tag. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. And, <laughs> and, um, and my home got damaged and I couldn't live in it for a few days. And without, and I was just talking to my friends, just venting. And one of my friends was just like, okay, well, check your PayPal. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't ask or anything. And they're like, well, you know, go get a hotel for a few days while you, while it's worked out. Like, I mean, Aww. yeah, it, it, that means so much to me because I don't know if you know this, but because um, I don't know if I know that you said that you couldn't watch my full episode, which is fine. And I don't know if the clips showed this through YouTube or not, but I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. Okay, no, I did not know that. Yes. Uh, and it's another big reason why I did the show, because I talk about it. I wanted people to know that it happens to men, and men can come through it, and there shouldn't be no shame with it. Right. Um, but I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, but part of that also, part of, but because of that, I should say, is um, makes you very guarded, made me, I should say, very guarded and distrustful of people. Right. Right. And so um, I've, I've always kept people at arm's length. No one has ever really gotten to know me personally. Um, I've had one person that was a very, very, very good friend to me. And um, that friendship went away and it hurt me very badly when it went away. And so that just reinforced that people hurt you, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I just don't have, and this is kind of why I was hesitant whenever you asked who's my cheerleaders. I just don't have, to this day, I don't really have people in my life. 
Um, and because of that, and it's something I'm working on, right? But because of that, and and so um, when my friend did that for me, I didn't ask for it, and it's very hard for me to accept any kind of help. Right. Um, it's just very touching. It really means a lot, you know. It's and it, you know, it really does mean a lot. It's just little things, right? And so. Oh yeah. Um, and so. I would say if, if anything, uh, those two people, uh, I would say are my cheerleaders, but of course they're cheerleaders from afar because, you know, they don't live near me, which is fine. Cheerleaders will take them anywhere. Um, and then I, my family is there to be supportive. There's a lot of healing that needs to go on with my family mm-hmm. and a lot of strained relationships. Yeah. And you know, they'll always, they're, we're working on them and they'll get better. And they're at a much better place today than they were previously. And again, they'll get, but they'll be in a better place tomorrow, right? Um, but everybody's got their own lives and their own paths to lead. Yeah. Well, you saying all that, I really feel special that you're willing to be on my podcast, especially that you're an open book, because yes. it's easy to go in and shun people mm-hmm. out and just. Um, I mean, you could have taken it in so many different directions. You could have gotten addicted to drugs. You could have, you know, gone so many different paths and you're choosing to be optimistic and try. It seems like you're going to be able to help a lot of other people that might be in your same position just based on the fact that you're vocal about it. Well, I hope so. I want, I don't ever want anybody to feel what I felt. I, Mm -hmm. for so many years, I was in such a dark miserable place I, I was so I was so miserable that even suicide was how do I say this I hated myself so much that I didn't even think that I deserved suicide oh my gosh does that, does that make sense well like, I I didn't I even hate think, it for you right but thank you. But like, I didn't, I, my self worth and my self love was so non-existent that I didn't even have enough respect for myself to say, maybe I should just kill myself to end the pain. Like, I think I felt like I deserved to go through the pain. Wow. Are you proud of yourself now? I don't know. Oh my gosh. To have a good attitude and to be losing all this weight and you're, you're transforming yourself from the inside out and the outside in, (laughs) I mean, that's to be very commended. You should be proud of yourself. Thank you. I think it could be better. I think I could be better. Um, You know, we're probably, we are probably our worst critics, right? Oh, of course Um, we are. Yes. Always. And I'm probably the hardest on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I could probably be in a, in a physically a better place. Um, but I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what, what advice would you give somebody that may be in um, what the starting stages where you were at, where they just felt like, ah, what can I do? I'm not happy with my body. I'm overweight. You know, what, what would you think would be a, a good place to start? Find something to love about yourself. It could be your pinky. <laughs> it could be, it could be your mind. It could be your eyes. 
I mean, really, I know that sounds stupid, but build that small little bit of something that you love about yourself. You know, I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I'm not a trained psychologist. I can only speak from what I went through and how I started my path. And, and I have to say for many, many years, I hated myself. I mean, you don't get to be 738 pounds without hating yourself, right? And like, you know, you talk about how I could have gone down the path of being a drug addict. Well, I was a drug addict. Food was my drug. Like that, I, I, I literally was my drug. I, I am part of, well, I guess it defeats the purpose, but I'm part of Overeaters Anonymous, right? And yeah. so like, it's not anonymous anymore, but like, <laughs> I'm part of, I'm part of, a, I'm part of Overeaters Anonymous. That was my, that is my drug. It's, Something that I, I, to this day, I struggle with every day. I have the cravings every day. Um, and it, it is a drug. I ate so much that, like, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, um, uh, Intervention, where yeah. where people, you know, they show the people that do, like, meth or something, and it's like, they they take a hit of meth, and then they get so high that, like, they get this euphoric look, and then they pass out that was me with food. I mean, I'm not joking. I would eat so much that I would get this high off of it. And then I would get so high from it that I would pass out. As soon as I ate, I would pass out from eating. And then I'd wake up and I would go back at it. I'd, my next, as soon as I'd wake up, my next thought was, how am I going to get some more food? There were, you know, I, when I was working, I made very good money and people, this is something I want to address and if you're hopefully your listeners listeners will take this to heart. I, I read a lot of comments because I do, you're not supposed to, but I do. Uh, I read a lot of comments and people are like, well, how do people on that show, how can they afford to eat so much food? You know, they must just be living like a sponge off the government and blah, 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 blah. Right. You know, or their family must be paying for it. I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself. And I had very good jobs for a very long time and I didn't go or where, go anywhere or do anything. Right. And so I saved some money <laughs> and I had a retirement and I had some nice things. And then, uh, and I had a good job. I had a, I had very good jobs. I was making 65 to $70,000 a year. I didn't live. I, I lived in shitty little hole, hole in the wall apartments. And I drove Hyundai's and Kia's. And so I kept my expenses down and I didn't go on vacations. And I spent all my money on food. Every penny I had went to food. When I, and buying computers and clothes, right? And then when I lost my jobs and had to move on my own, I started selling things like a drug addict, little by little. And I would use the money from selling my things to buy food. When I ran out of things to sell, I started selling my body. I would, I did kind of things on the internet for money. So that was my drug. Yeah. I did what it took to get the money, but I wasn't living off of people. I was not robbing or stealing or sponging off of people. When you get the urge to eat or eat something that you shouldn't eat or, you know, isn't going to help your cause. Do you mm -hmm. put on your shoes and go for a walk? How do you stop that urge? I do. Um, there are times when I will give into it. I mean, mm -hmm. honest, 100% honesty, uh, full transparency. I will give in and I'll eat it. Um, and then I'll go work out 
I'll go for a walk. I'll walk up some stairs. I'll walk around the block. I will pretty much just walk. Walk is a big thing for me. Yeah. I spent so long not walking. Then I'll just go out and I'll walk. Or I'll, you know, the one thing that I have really found that uh, helps me is when I have a craving for something to eat, I'll go drink a bottle of water. Or um, I'll eat, like, I, I always buy baby carrots. So I'll eat, I'll eat like a baby carrot, one or two, just to get that crunch. So I'm, my body's is chewing on something. Because I was also a smoker for 18 years. I smoked cigarettes for 18 years, solid. Almost two packs a day for 18 years. Wow. And Yeah. And so I'm dealing with not smoking, I'm going to kill somebody, and not having my food, right? <laughs> that's a lot. That's not smoking. That's a hard habit to break. I was a smoker yes. for a long time. That's really hard. Yeah. And then I, to throw the food. Wow. Yeah. I quit cold turkey in July of 2021 when I had COVID. But I still um, think about it every day. <laughs> yeah. They say you always will, too. Although yeah, sometimes yeah. now I smell it and I'm like, bleh. How did I do that? You know, how did I have that uh, smell on my clothes? And when I when I smell the fresh cigarette smoke, I, I like when people are smoking. I love to go out there and stand next to them when they're smoking, yeah, and I can yeah. smell it. <laughs> but like five minutes later, when I can smell it on my clothes, that's when it grosses me out. Right, right. So, do you still do therapy? Uh, not with Doctor Paradise, but mm -hmm. I do have an online therapist. Okay, and and does that help? It does. It does. You know, going back to your original question that I digressed from, and I apologize, what would be my, what would be my advice to somebody starting out? And I had started to say, you know, find something to love about yourself. And that's because find something that you can love about yourself because there's going to be days when you don't want to do it and you don't want to move on and you don't want to push yourself and you want to go back to where you were. And if you could just focus on what you love about yourself and tell yourself, hey, you're worth it. Build up that self-worth. Begin to love yourself. Because you can't fix, it's not that there's a problem, right? It's, but you can't, you can't walk on your, on your path of healing and self-love and self-journey without loving yourself first. I think that's wonderful advice. And you just have to remember that yourself. You do. So that Thank when you, you wake up, yeah. you know, you can stay on it. And I saw online that you were um, able to get in your car comfortably and drive now. Yes. That's yes. awesome. Yeah. What, yes. That's freedom. Yes. That is. That was, that was probably so surprising to me when I, the first time I sat in my car in the front seat and was able to drive again. Yeah. Uh, be, you know, because I... Previously, the, the last time I drove before I lost the ability to fit in my car, uh, I, would ha I had to push my seat as far back as it would go and then lay my, my, the, my seat down a little bit so that I could literally wedge myself into the car. And even then, and like I, I, I had to have the seat back to where like I could, my hands were barely, my arms were barely long enough to where like my fingertips were wrapping around the steering wheel. Like that's how far back I had to lay back, right? Yeah. And then I was still so crammed in there that when I would go to shut the door, 
the door would hit my thighs and bounce open and I would have to slam it shut three or four times until it finally caught. Right. Um, and so to go from that to, so that's how I just instinctively, when I, the first time I was going to start driving again, when I went to get in the car, I made sure the seat was pushed all the way back and I laid the seat back and I was like, you know, cause that's just instinctively <laughs> how I did it. Right. And I got in the car and like, I got in the car and, and I went to shut the door and like, I was preparing to like shut it. And it just like, I don't know how else to explain it, but just like, I pulled it and it just went click. And I was just like, <laughs> what? And then I was like, Wait, I'm not, I'm not touching the sides at all. And then I was like, I laid back. I was like, I'm laying down. Like, why am I laying down? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, I was like, the steering wheel is so far back. Like, so oh, so far back. So, yeah. Like, yeah. I had to like readjust and get it on the edge. It was just, it that's was a awesome. new experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you ever thought about moving out of, out of where you live and moving where people are more accepting of you and your lifestyle and who you want to be? <laughs> I have thought about that. I have, I have had people, several people have asked me why I don't do that. And I tell them because I know this is going to sound stupid, but I don't want them to think that they've won. Yeah, I get that. But then I think, how long do you hold yourself back just for that reason? You know, why can't yeah. you be where, where you can be you and be happy and be free? I mean, a lot of people are, they consider their family, um, not blood relatives, <laughs> People that well, no, right, yeah, but yeah, right, but the thing for me is, I don't let where I live hold me back. I, Good. I am who I Good. am where I live. Good. Good. And that, that's the whole reason why I want to be where I live because where I grew up, like I don't, I don't live in the town that I like. Where I filmed is the town that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. It's actually a little, little tiny village of like ninety people outside of Houston. Uh, the town is half a mile long. Has doesn't have any stop signs or stop well, stop lights doesn't even have any intersections yeah I and mean, it's it's a very small village right and there were no openly gay people there nobody that i knew of that was gay i suspect that i had one cousin that i she was an, a cousin that was in the military and that never married uh -huh. but you know she was, she was a woman, but we're not going to talk about that <laughs> <laughs> she's more manly than i was but i digress <laughs> <laughs> and, and um one of the reasons why I, I i don't i no longer live there i live very close to there but i i moved um about 30 minutes away just because i needed an i needed another place to live <laughs> and there right. was no place to live there right so i had to move here i want other people out there to know that there are gay people here i want the little gay boys and girls growing up here to see another gay person here and another gay person be themselves here. And I have every right to be here. You know what I mean? Like oh, I have every right, I have every right to be here. I have every right to be myself here. I have every right to live my life the way that I want to live my life. As long as I'm not hurting anybody. A hundred percent. Yes. And I want to make it clear that I would never suggest that you shouldn't be wherever you want. No, to be. Of course. No, yeah. no, I get I just... no, no. Right. No, I get it. And it would be much easier. Yes. It, 
there are places in this country where it would be much easier for me to live. Mm -hmm. And it would probably be more conducive to my mental health journey. And, and as, and because it'd be more conducive to my mental health journey, it would obviously help me on my physical transition. Cause then I wouldn't be so bogged down with that. Yeah. But I just, I've made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to let these assholes that want me gone to run me out. Yeah. Good because, for you. Because they are not comfortable with something in themselves. It's not that they're uncomfortable with me. They're uncomfortable with the fact that I'm comfortable with myself. Does that make sense? A hundred percent it does. Yes. Yeah. They're uncomfortable with the fact that I can live myself being who I am and being happy about who I am. And they don't like that. Yeah. And because they don't like that because it, it makes, it forces them to examine why they're not happy in their lives. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Ah, I love that message. That's awesome. I am so proud of you and I am planning to stalk you and follow you and watch your progress <laughs> yeah. and see how you do. If you Thank ever you. want to come back on my podcast, I would love to have you just to recap and see how you're doing. You. And yes. um, I, I tell people where they can find you. So I'm on Instagram right now. Um, the name is changing right now. It is still my 600 pound life West. And that's all one word. Uh, I did a poll and I think that we've settled on wonderfully West. Ah, that's cute. Yes. It was either. It was a choice between West watchers kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say what it was yeah. like, cause I don't want to get sued, but yeah, it was like, yeah. yeah, like West watchers. <laughs> or Weight Loss with Wes, or Wonderfully Wes. And I think they've settled on Wonderfully Wes. Um, and so I think I might go with that. Uh, I'm also on, I have a Facebook official page just under Wes Schultz. Uh, but if you, if they go to Instagram and find me uh, in my, in my bio, there's a link, there's a link tree there and it's got my links to my Facebook. I'm also starting a TikTok. I'm going to start doing weekly weigh-ins on my TikTok. Good for you. And, um, I'm also toying with the idea of doing like, uh, daily, uh, workout words. Does that make sense? So like I go for a walk every, like I go to the gym every day. Um, but then I also go for a walk in the mornings and I'm thinking of maybe doing like, a kind of like where I, I, cause I, there's a park here. It's a beautiful park and I like to go walk around the pond. So maybe I'll go to the pond, walk around, and maybe I'll do like a live from the pond as I walk every day or something, yeah. right? Toying with that idea. That's but that's idea. all going to, yeah, that's going to be on my Instagram and my TikTok. And hopefully uh, you, hopefully I'll get enough um, followers so I can quit working and, and do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I don't yeah. know. I like Wonderfully West, but I also do like West Watchers because I'm a huge pun person and i love yes. that play on the uh the popular other ww but yes. either way i will be watching um thank you it was such a pleasure to talk to you i was definitely not at all what i expected but it was it beat my expectations by a million so well, thank you for having me oh of course and i'm i'm cheering you on i'm going to be your cheerleader so good luck with thank everything you. and um i'll definitely keep in touch Thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.